Welcome to The Alternative Investor, the show where we discuss, debunk, and demystify all things about investing in alternative assets. All right, Brad. Hey, Grayson. How you doing? Okay. I'm doing wonderful. Check it out. Here's the situation. Okay. You, you spent all these years, you're looking for a deal, you finally find one, you do the deal, you've run that deal now for two years, you're feeling so good about yourself, you have this great piece of real estate, uh, let's say it's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful manufactured housing community, you bought it for $15 million, now two years have gone by, okay, so you've, you've put your blood, sweat, and tears into running this property for two years, and somebody comes to you with an unsolicited offer for $20 million, Ooh, what do you do? That's an excellent question, that's a good problem to have. So I think what you've described here is the classic hold versus sell analysis. Oh, okay. So there's a name for this. Yeah. You really have to go into the, the closet here, get down into the weeds, you know, go, go insular and think about what you would want to do with this asset. Okay. Talk us through. How do you think about a hold versus sell analysis then? So you, you need to think about a couple of variables here. So what is the return if you just sold it, that's something that you know, right? You know, okay, we bought it for 15. We probably put a loan of 10 on it. So that means we put up $5 million in equity. And okay. lo and behold, two years later, somebody's going to double your money. So that's... Because yeah, you sold it for 20. You sold it for 20. You, you pay back your $10 million loan debt, assuming, let's just keep it simple and assume you didn't pay any principal down on that loan. Got it. So then you've doubled that initial $5 million. Okay. Spent five, made 10 in two years. That sounds good to me. Yeah, that's a pretty so good you, deal. So you take it. Yeah, so well, not so fast. <laughs> oh, it's too soon. Yeah. Well, so on a just a return uh, standpoint, that's amazing. That's a you know, that's a 41% IRR, right? And by, that's a 2x multiple. By the, mul by, the, by the way, what is IRR real quick? Yeah, IRR is just the the return basically, a compounded return that you got, you know, from day one of that investment. So okay. if you looked at it yearly, you were compounding at a 41% return. Okay, got it. So if I invested 5 million bucks in this property, which I did, you did. I'm, this is yeah, you, wait, you you're basically, coming along with me on this deal? <laughs> Why not? I'll, I'll be a part of it. You basically made an annual return of 41% on your money. Yeah, exactly. Got it. Okay, which is a that heck sounds of, great. Heck of an IRR. So you take it. Well. Am I being too hasty? Uh, you're being a little simplistic. Oh, <laughs> I've been accused of that before. All right, well, walk us through. How do you think about it? So I think you, you actually have to do a much deeper analysis. You have to think about, okay, well, what, you know, would I buy this deal myself again today at $20 million, given all the other variables, given what we could do with the assets still, given where interest rates are, would I myself buy this property again at $20 million? So you almost have to just step out of your shoes as an owner and think about it from the buyer's perspective and analyze the deal as if you were starting over. Ah, it's like a thought experiment. Yeah. And so, I mean, that is a real simplistic way to do it, but it, it's at least a good way to start, right? Okay. Would we, are we buyers of this building, this property at that number? If there's no way we'd ever buy at that number, well, that's a pretty good indication that you might want to sell because that person might be overpaying. That makes sense to me. So, so you'd go through a lot of the, the same analysis that you did when you were purchasing the property two years ago. It's like, hey, what are the future cash flows I think I'm going to get from this building? What do I think I can sell it for in some future period of time? And, I'll, and you basically calculate a return based on that, right? Correct. And then you also need to think about, you know, so what does the future look like for this asset? Was this already, you know, in that two years, did you take it from 80% to 100%? So there's really not much of a value add play left? Did you do the business plan? Or is there, there still, you know, meat on the bone? There, or is there still ways to move the needle where you can grow that asset 
and realize a much higher return even another year, another two years from now. Yeah, that makes sense to me because, and that's in, in the spirit of reevaluating the deal as if you were going to do it again. If now you saw that the property was fully leased out and, you know, there wasn't going to be a lot of growth opportunity, you know, that's going to factor into what you think your return is going to be. Exactly. Right. So then, you know, you also then have to figure out other variables. Well, okay. So what if, if we're in like today in a interest rate rising environment, well, then you know that, okay, a couple years from now, if interest rates are rising, I might not get the same multiple, the same cap rate as I did from this $20 million offer. So maybe I'm going to have to grow it twice as much to get paid the same amount of money two years further. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Right. And so, and at the end of the day, when you're faced with a hold versus sell decision, I mean, ultimately you care about two variables, right? You care about the IRR, the annualized rate of return on the investment. So if you sold today, what would be your IRR versus if you sell in the future, what your, your potential IRR would be. And then you care about the multiple uninvested capital, right? So, you know, how much money, you know, how what's, what's my multiple on what I put into this thing in the first place, right? Because if you sell it, if you buy something and sell it for, you know, three days later for $100 more than you paid for it. It's a pretty good IRR. Yeah, your return might look great. You're like, well, yeah. well you only held this thing for three days and you made 100 bucks, but you made 100 bucks, right? It totally, the juice wasn't worth the squeeze. So I think, you know, when I think about this analysis, those are the two things I think about is, uh, you know, the IRR, the rate of return on the investment, and then, but given a, a, a certain threshold of multiple invested capital, you want at least, you want to at least make two to three times your money before you think about selling. Yeah. We talk about this all the time. You can't eat IRR, right? It's not going to, it's not going to enable you to buy anything. You need that multiple. So, well, let's revisit the, the example. So what happens if you, you look out and you say, okay, well, I think I can grow the asset and take it from, you know, instead of selling it for 20 million in two years, I'm going to sell it for 25 years, but I'm pretty sure 25 it's a, million. Yeah, sorry, 25 million, but I'm pretty sure it's going to take me five years to do that. Yep. Right. Oh, so, yeah, good, good, good point. What yeah. happens? Okay. So, so, what now, ha so, what happens to the, the analysis? So what three more years go by and yeah. you, you get another 10 million. You know, what, you get another 10 million bucks? Is that what you said? No. no. 15 million. You get, you get another, you get 15 million on your original five. So, you 3x your, your investment. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Okay. That so sounds great. That sounds better. 3x is wonderful, but it took you three more years versus that first example we gave you. Okay. So what does that do with IRR? That IRR jumps from 41% down to 25%. Oh, soul crushing. Which is still a fantastic IRR. Okay. So it's still a good IRR. So then, so now how do you think about it? So let's say you're faced with these two scenarios where you sell today, you get a 41% IRR, you wait three years, you get a 25% IRR. How, would, how do you think about that? So here, those are two great outcomes. Yeah. By the way, right. we <laughs> probably should have made it much worse. Yeah, probably, yeah. Full stop. You've done well either way. So yeah. congratulations. But I think that's the, the tricky part here is that, you know, there's three years of risk in there. Right. You don't know what is going to happen in the marketplace. Right. You know, that, that, that $15 million payday you think you're going to get in year five is not guaranteed. True. Who knows? True. So I think that's part of the analysis. You have to think about, okay, well, what extra risk am I taking on here by waiting three more years to try to not just hit a home run, hit a grand slam. Yep. Right. And so there's interest rate risk that we, we've kind of talked about. Right. And every time interest rates go up a hundred basis points or 1%, that's a huge impact to what you can sell that property for. Yeah. And, and 
there, gonna, go on. Sorry. Sorry. Well, then there's execution risk. Like, can we actually continue to maintain the prop, the, you know, the property where it's currently at and hopefully grow it? Right. You don't want to lose occupancy. So yeah, you could really drop the ball here. You could really blow the thing up. So yeah, let me ask you this. So let's just say, let's say you factor in all those risks and you do some probability weighted outcome here, but you, and you still, after all you, fa- after you factor in all those risks and you discount the future cash flows and purchase price, let's say you still think you're going to make 15 million at year five, as opposed to 10 million in year two. What do you do? I mean, how do you think about it? So now you got the 41% IRR in year two, you have the 25% IRR in year five. And let's assume that's, you're hundred percent confident that you could achieve that outcome. Well, yeah. Are, then, we, are we missing something? Well, I mean, then I, it's opportunity cost. I think it's yeah. You know, what what could you do with that money in yeah. other investments? And do you is this deal taking way too much of your time relative to what you could be doing? Right, because you know, you, let's say you do sell in year two, right? You get that you pocket ten million bucks. So now, what do you do with that? So now, you, you either that sits in cash and it makes very little money, or you you put it in some alternative investment. But you might not really grow that much for the next three years. So then, so now that ten million dollars might become I don't know twelve million dollars by year five. So now it looks a lot better to take that second outcome, right? Where you've just held the deal and made the fifteen million in year five, right? Yeah, because you didn't pay. There's no transaction costs on if you kept it in the deal, right? On on the first one, you had to pay people off, right? You had to then go out and you had to. There's friction because you had to go out and find another investment, right? If you sold. So whereas you just if you just keep it in the property, it's going at that twenty five percent return every year clip versus you know how long does it take you and can you find another twenty five percent plus IRR deal? Yep, so that's I, a big what if. It is a big what if. So I think you know I, what we're trying to convey to you folks here is that you know you have these two outcomes where you say like maybe I sell today, I make I pocket my ten million bucks, or I wait five, or I wait two or three more years and I make it, you know I make ten million or 15 million, there's a third piece of information you need to be factoring in there. And that is what, what can you do with that money that you're going to be making? Cause if you really, if you can't make any money on that and it's not going to grow or it's not going to grow at a rate that's commensurate with the alternative, then just, yeah, then it makes sense to hold onto the property. So you do need to, you do need to evaluate that third scenario, which is what do I do with the money if I do so? Totally. And then you, you know, we haven't even really talked about what happens if you, you've brought in investors. What is, if you have other people, this isn't just your own money. Yeah, and you know, so when when I raised capital for the venture that I'm currently doing, which I'm I'm buying a private operating business, you know, we actually had this conversation where the investor said, "Hey, look, you know, we're going to pay you, we're going to give you additional incentives if you hit certain IRR targets, right? So if if this if this investment achieves higher returns, then you'll you'll make more money." However, and they were <laughs> they were very careful to say, given a certain level of multiple of invested capital, right? So again, going back to the original, you know, I think the what I mentioned at the beginning of the show, it's, you know, my partner and I could buy a deal and sell it the next day and have incredible IRR. And we could go back to our investors and say, hey, look, look at this great IRR we got you. We, we, we want to get paid. They would say, no, 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 not so fast. Your multiple uninvested capital is crap. <laughs> so you're not going to get a dime. So I think, you know, again, I think both of those, both of those return metrics are, are important. And it says you, you got to achieve a balance between the two of them. A hundred percent. Yeah. And most of the time in real estate, there isn't that, that multiple threshold. I mean, some, you see some sophisticated investors put that in there, but for the most part, everything's driven by IRR. Uh, so, and maybe that's because it's a little bit harder to sell these things in general. You don't buy, you know, a commercial real estate property to flip it within a year. Yeah. Usually you're holding these things for a fair amount of time. And so you really, if you're, if you have investors, you, you have another layer of analysis because, you know, when is, when is this money 
when do, are they expecting the money? Right. In that first scenario, if they're expecting it back by year five, then you're taking a lot of risk that, you know, okay, well, if I'm going to hold this thing for another three more years to try to get five more million, well, that's the last year I have before I got to return all the money to the investors. Yeah. So you better be, sh- you better, you better be, be sure confident. about that extra, you know, five million that you think you're going to get. All right. So, so what do you do? Do you take the money and run or do you, do you hold out for your five? I, you know, it, these are one, it's one of these things where is there, I no, think is there no right there's answer? There's no right answer. That's <laughs> the infuriating thing about this. I hate this about life. Yeah. I, I would love for there to be more right answers in life. I think if you have the right investors that aren't going to put a gun to your head on, we have to sell this year. I, I think you, you, would tend to try to keep the 25% IRR. Yeah, because that's still a, a that, really good IRR. That's a, right? that's a home run type of deal. Um, now, if you, you you can't get hurt by taking money off the table, right? By ringing the cash register, you know, never nobody got crushed by making money, right? So the, the far less riskier play is to take that 2x, uh, run to the bank, and uh, <laughs> come home and, 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 and try to do it again. <laughs> come home and hug your husband or wife and say, we're yeah. rich. Yeah. Take a little bit of pressure off. And I think this also has to deal with where you are in your career, too. It's, you know, sometimes when you're first starting out, that first deal can go a long way, right? If you have a track record and say, hey, look, we, we did a full circle, full cycle uh, deal, right? We, we sold it in two years and we doubled everybody's money and everybody's thrilled. Well, so that, that I mean, that's a great segue into the second sort of large bucket of things we need to think about here is we, we've, we've sort of talked about the numbers and the raw kind of variables and the metrics, but there's this whole qualitative side of this analysis, right? You know, what do you want to do with your life? Are you, do you like managing this asset? Who am I? Who, who, do you, do you want to start writing existential <laughs> novels in check? You know, right. I mean, there's this, it's not just about the numbers, right? It's about sort of, you know, you know, are you having fun? Is this stressing you out? Are you staying up at night? Are you losing sleep? Right? Yeah, totally. Nothing's worth, um, nothing's worth losing sleep over consistently. Yeah. You got to get your four and a half hours of sleep each night. Oh, you're getting four and a half. Wow. Wow. I'm up to five. I'm at seven and a half actually. Uh, no, but you know, we're joking, but you know, Hey, you know, do you have a lot of energy? Is this working? And you know, do you, do you, do you see a lot of opportunity in the future? You know, are you having fun? You know, I mean, I feel like these things do matter. Right. And is this something you want to keep doing? Um, yeah, because there's look even in a an elevated market uh, in terms of prices right now, it's hard to find deals. But there's always going to be opportunity. There's always going to be something to find if you look hard enough and and you're a savvy investor. And so if if the deal is just giving you heartache or taking way too much time relative to you know the returns that you're getting, then yeah, you know ring the cash register, sell it, go you know regroup, take that profits, and and go do something else that that fulfills you. There's, you know, life is short. It doesn't, you know, IRR is not everything. So maybe the, maybe the, uh, maybe the real thing to think about here, there's actually three variables. There's the IRR, the multiple uninvested capital, and then you're just sort of fudge, you know, qualitative as, you know, and, you know, qualitative quotient here. Like, you know, are you enjoying this? Do you want to keep going? Is this something you want to be doing? Yeah. We should come up with an actual acronym for that, but I always thought of it like it's a time weighted IRR, but I think you're right. There's more just like an overall opportunity cost weighted IRR. Well, it's like, there's, you know, there's like this happiness metric now where economists will look at an economy and then rather than just looking at the GDP to evaluate the strength of the economy, they look at like the the happiness of the people in the, in the country, something like that. We need to have that in investing, right? Yeah. You want to write a (laughs) thesis paper on that? Why not? I'm probably going to get fired by my investors for saying that. (laughs) Like no one cares if you're happy, Grayson. Okay. Well, fair enough. So, so I guess to recap, right, you know, every investor, once you've acquired an asset, 
is going to be faced with a hold versus sell analysis. And uh, there's a bunch of things to think about. But, but, you know, it really boils down to a couple of simple things, right? Is, you know, what's your return today versus if you were going to sell in the future? And do you want to keep going? Yeah. And what, what's the risk of, of keep going? You know, what, you know, how likely are you actually to pull it off? Yeah. And when is the debt due? And when do your investors expect the money? See, just lots of variables. So perhaps if you're having an existential crisis right now about whether to divest if one of your assets, you could call Brad and I, and we are happy to talk you through this and, and, and make your life a little bit easier. We'll buy it from you. Yeah, that sounds good. A steeply discounted friends and family rate, of course. <laughs> okay, well, good luck out there thinking through your hold versus sell analysis. You could be so much happier. Yeah. On the beach. Let us take on your misery. All right, take care. Thanks for listening to The Alternative Investor. Since you made it this far, you should take a second to subscribe to the podcast and join our email list. There, you'll receive additional insights and insider access to the world of alternative investments. Just visit thealternativeinvestorshow.com.